discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, ever wondered why your gym sessions are all about treadmills, dumbbells, and yoga mats, but missing a touch of traditional Chinese fitness elements? Where's the Tai Chi, the graceful Ba Duan Jin, or the animal-inspired Wu Qin Xi? Ancient moves in modern grooves. We dive deep into the world of traditional Chinese exercises. Why aren't these ancient practices gracing our modern gyms? And we'll have a heart-to-heart with you. Your voice matters, and we want to hear it on our heart-to-heart segment. Got a question? Something you're itching to share? Fire up that voice memo and hit us up at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. We'd really appreciate it if you could include your name as well as region of residence in that voice memo, because we'd like to know a little bit more about you. And our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion. Imagine walking into your gym and being greeted not just by dumbbells and treadmills, but also by the serene flow of Tai Chi and the dynamic energy of Ba Duan Jin. We discuss why traditional Chinese exercises with their rich history and holistic benefits are often left out of our fitness regimes. Could these ancient practices be the missing piece in your wellness puzzle? Well, let's find out together. What are these traditional Chinese fitness practices that are having a moment online these Mm. days? Chinese traditional fitness practices have a rich history and are known for promoting holistic well-being. So recently, the famous ones are like Tai Chi, or what we say in Chinese, Tai Chi Quan, an ancient martial art form that emphasizes slow, flowy movements, and Tai Chi promotes balance, flexibility, and relaxation. Also, Qi Gong, Uh, a practice that involves coordinated body postures, movement, and meditation. This one aims to cultivate and balance the body's vital energy, also what we call it qi. Um, And also Kung Fu, I think this one people are more familiar with it, while Kung Fu is often associated with martial arts. Many of its forms include physical exercises that enhance strength, flexibility, and overall fitness. And also um, some, I think, modern ones are more like Chinese dance, traditional Chinese dance forms such as um, no fan dance or ribbon dance are not only artistic, but also contribute to physical fitness and flexibility. And what we discussed before, Ba Duan Jin, right? Um, this set of eight gentle flowing exercises dates back to the Song Dynasty, which is the year of 960 to 1127, and is designed to enhance physical health and mental well-being. And another interesting one I would like to mention is uh, Wu Qingxi, Five Animal Frolics. So this is a set of exercises that mimic the movements of five animals. They're tiger, deer, bear, monkey, and crane. So each animal's movements are designed to enhance various aspects of physical health, including flexibility, strength, and balance. 
The practice is based on ancient Chinese medical principles and is believed to promote the circulation of qi and blood in your body. So you know, a lot of elements I mentioned before are you know, these slow and flow movements and flexibility are, I think, the focus of you know, Chinese traditional fitness practices.、Mm. Josh, you like to go to the gym,、yes. and you are a very active person. So, what's your assessment just by listening to、um, Yu Shun's introduction to all these different types of more, you know, traditional Chinese fitness regimes? Are they vastly different from what you're used to, or、um, any merits or whatnot that you can get from them? I think there's a lot of merits. I think there's a lot of differences, but I think there's a lot of merits, and I think that it is rooted in this more holistic approach, which Yushun very well explained. I think that these sort of practices are great for physical and mental health, but they are slightly more complex. Than Western practices, and it's similar with Western medicine. It's supposed to be quick. It's supposed to get things done as quickly and as efficiently、mm. as possible. And it's similar when you talk about exercise. If you go to the gym, Western practice has always been: what's the quickest way that I can get into shape? What's the easiest and most effective way that I can lose this weight or build this muscle or do this and that? And you know, all of these practices—they're not. Like that, they're more holistic. It's slower. It's about building up. It's lifelong, right? You can do these for the rest of your life. This is why you go walk around almost any city or town in China, and you go to a park early in the morning or even at night,、mm -hmm. and you will see elderly people doing some sort of physical activity that was probably just mentioned before. And this is different. In you, if you go to the West, you don't see seventy-year-old people bench pressing in the park, right? You just don't see that happening, right? It sounds hilarious, but you actually. Actually, see that with these other exercises, and that takes time. Holistic means longevity. It means something you do for a long time, and the Western approach has never been like that. So I think this is the main reason why we don't see it, and it's not as popular, at least in the fitness world. Right, and also some of these Chinese traditional fitness practices even more prioritize their inner cultivation. I think so compared to these Western or modern exercises. They are、uh, these modern exercises are more focusing. On the immediate visible results, and also I think popular fitness programs today are aligned with specific body management goals. So, you know, strength training aims to build muscle, cardio targets, fat reduction. But for these traditional practices, they are more like practicing your inner peace and、um, for the whole、um, well-being of your body.、Mm, I very much appreciate. The aspect of taking care of your mental sphere、mm. as well as your physical strength, and I think the two combined makes a very good wellness slash fitness routine. And that's the part that might be a little bit lacking with more of the typical、uh, Western gym practices, because for these gym routines, each piece of strength equipment. In the gym is designed to sculpt a specific muscle group. Every gym session is result oriented, like you guys mentioned, focusing on different body parts each day. Chest one day, back the next,、hmm. legs the day after, as such. But also, my interpretation of the holistic approach, on top of what Josh has already said, is that it's more of a comprehensive approach. Not only is longevity important, but、uh, 
you're supposed to take care of the whole body and with more of a static style, I suppose. And this is, I'm sorry to say, kind of difficult for more young people to get into. But also maybe the other side of the coin is this is exactly what people need. Let me elaborate a little bit here. So basically, for a big Chinese city life, this you probably already know, uh, the pace of life is on double speed, it feels. And our minds are racing all the time looking into the future, racing to the next goalpost that we've set for ourselves when in reality we're not there yet, but we're already fearful. We're already worrying about what's next and the uncertainty. And with this kind of really noisy headspace, maybe we need to calm down, but it's just difficult to calm down. And a lot of these traditional Chinese physical routines, I feel are a little bit more tilted towards the tranquility, let's slow down, let's do these moves, and they're really good for the joints. It's not going to make you sweat in the first 10 minutes, maybe 30 minutes later, but it's just taking your time. Mm. And that part, I personally find, um, is something of an ideal state that I could do with more of it, but it's just really hard to get into it. And I don't know if I'm an anomaly in this or not, as we see there's growing interest and also discussion online of Chinese young people, a lot of the Gen Zers who are turning to more of these traditional Chinese practices as an alternative to the intense gym workout sessions. Josh, what do you see as, you know, the reasons towards this kind of shift? Well, Aside from the one that I just mentioned about it being slightly slower and less direct than more Western practices, I think that you do need to have some sort of cultural awareness or understanding of that culture or an interest in it to succeed at it. And I think that that's also time consuming. I think that if you're unfamiliar with some of these practices, it's not just the physical movement, right? A lot of it requires some sort of linguistic learning. You have to learn about terminology. You may even have to wear specific clothes or even use specific apparatus to do it properly. And therefore, you might need to spend more time learning with a master. There's going to be less people that are familiar with it. If you go to a gym, not to take anything away from gym trainers, but there are thousands and thousands of gym trainers, I think, just in Beijing that I can go and find, right? And that's not to say that it's any more or less difficult. I, I can't say that because I haven't mastered either of them, but it's definitely more approachable. And when it comes to things like learning terminology, there's less of it. It's quick. You can be up and running and doing the right exercises in a couple of sessions. You might need some time to develop your technique, but you can be doing it. If I want to do Tai Chi, right? I mean, this could be, it could be a couple of years before I'm doing it properly, right? It, it, it can take a really long time. So uh, this is one of the main reasons. I also think that it's less marketable. I think that fitness is, has been massively commercialized and it always has been. When we're talking about beauty standards, which is the theme of today's show, I think fitness is a huge part of it. And activities that, you know, where you need to have all of these specific things, there's less masters, for example, maybe specific clothing, specific places, specific apparatus. It's more difficult 
difficult to market that towards people. Whereas all you have to do to market a gym is just show some people with good muscles, right? <laughs> Stood in the gym, looking, mm. looking, looking beautiful. That, and I know it's much more than that, but you know, you, you're pretty much halfway there. I might be wrong. People will disagree with me, but that's how I see it anyway. Mm. Well, since there appears to be a newfound interest in traditional Chinese practices in fitness, what do you think um, has been done right and what is missing in getting more people interested? Um, I think that, of course, nowadays, people's interest towards these, you know, traditional practices is genuine, you know, but the enthusiasm may also be temporary because, you know, when people truly sense the benefits of doing this for their physical and mental well-being, they will, of course, naturally vigorously promote and spread it, right? Especially when young people is a group of, you know, more willing to try new things. However, you know, for long-term development of this kind of uh, exercise, um, I think more young people may still lean towards these modern fitness facilities like gym because fitness is indeed for um, personal health, of course, but it is also gradually becoming a kind of a social currency, I believe. Um, this is why we see many people, you know, taking selfies in the gym, but rarely do we see young people post on social media wearing these traditional Tai Chi attire, right? So there are some aspects about the trendy or following the trend thing. But still, um, I think the accessibility of these traditional Chinese exercises is, um, I think, the reason that is getting popular, you know, because we can basically do it at any time, anywhere. Also, at the status of what Heian just mentioned that, you know, a lot nowadays young people are facing a lot of pressure. And especially under that circumstance, implementing high intensity gym workouts may pose risks on them. So I think I think the shift is um, natural and it is, uh, I think, meeting the demand of a lot of young people nowadays who have a lot of pressure on them. Mm. So basically, there are so many different options out there of mm. different styles. And we see that with this almost like a revival of some of these traditional Chinese fitness practices, they offer a, more of a slow motion and mm. static style of uh, fitness choice for people. And it still sounds like this area, they, they need some kind of makeover to, to make themselves look a little bit more relevant, maybe if they can find a hip way to repackage the image, then I think that is the way to go. But also there might be something that the practitioners or those who hope to promote these traditional Chinese physical practices can learn a thing or two from how these highly commercialized gym and Western fitness practices have successfully done already. And I can give you a couple of examples. Well, also just on a side note, why aren't these traditional Chinese fitness routines practiced and taught in gyms in the first place is, in my opinion, gyms are an import. We didn't used to have gyms, you know, it's just, it's a foreign idea. Hmm. So in the past, people just go to parks to, right. to practice. Follow the lead of the elderly. 
something like that. So like, you know, the physical exercise, what happened maybe in a park or in an open space within your neighborhood, something like that. So that's one thing. But also, I think there's a, a few things to be learned by the practitioners who want to promote this when you look at the modern and mature course design, personnel training, and business model of what example I can give you here is the Lamel's um, training course. Mm -hmm. I think the Chinese translation is Lai Mei. So it's very, it's very popular and it has a lot to do with the business model as this course design is typically done by top instructors, dance designers, and exercise physiologists. And then they typically listen to and select from more than 2,000 really popular songs of the mm, moment. Wow. And then they come up with specially designed routines and movements that are targeting different muscle groups of the body. And they also have a very closed and exclusive system of uh, training their instructors as well as giving certificates to these people and they have like monthly reviews and these instructors maintain a long-term stable contractual relationship with the company mm. and also the way the courses are being delivered to those who attend the classes are standardized and there are a very mature system that's mm. built around how to train the personnel, how to get the um, individuals involved, as well as payment and um, sort of customer service. So I think it's really important to see how why these kind of models thrive and when you look at on the other hand the traditional chinese uh, fitness routines they lack standardization or this kind of commercialized management for them to thrive on a bigger scale because if you want like so many people in different cities to be practicing this and following a similar routine, then I guess there needs to be a management system to ensure everything falls in the right place. And that's something that we haven't seen with these traditional Chinese fitness practices. They often are thought of as, oh, part of the cultural heritage. Oh, part of a rich history, which is all great. But for it to be promoted and and practiced and enjoyed by wide array of people and even to um, go cross borders, then maybe some of this more modern way of management is, is important for that to happen. Yeah, and also I heard that another practice is quite popular in the Western world, which is called animal flow. It is a ground-based body weight movement that combines elements of yoga, gymnastics, and animal-inspired movements to create a, you know, body weight workout. So this fitness practice is designed to improve your mobility, strength, and overall wellness through actions that mimic the movements of animals. And I think it has, right? Uh, it sounds pretty similar to what we've been talking about these, uh, no matter it's Ba Duan Jing or Wu Qing Xi, but it does not necessarily have connections between each other, but I think they have the same 
idea, right? So I feel that whether it's Western or Chinese, as long as there is the you know intention to maintain our health, it is good. Moreover, there are now many exercises that you can choose: uh, Chinese or Western styles, or you know, static or just quite physical. All of these can cater to various diverse needs, and I think um, as long as you are taking care of your Well-being, it is good. Well, I think that the goal is always the same, right? And、mm. maybe the road that takes you there can be very different.、Um, as long as you are working towards it, then I think that you're on the right track. But I do think that there can be lessons learned from both approaches. I think that this more holistic, long-term approach, this more holistic, long-term exercise that one can do into their twilight years, is fantastic. And I think that we need more of that、um, in the West as well. Although I. I personally love going to the gym. I love working out. I don't do many of these things. I, I hope that I can at some point because there's so many positive aspects to this that we've we've only been able to discuss a few of them today. One thing is the socializing aspect of it. One thing that we know is a big issue for people as they get older is their mental health and things like loneliness. And I think one thing that a lot of these exercises, these traditional Chinese sort of exercises that we've discussed, have is a social aspect, right? And I know that. Going to the gym sometimes is quite individualistic, so I think that. But I do think whatever you're doing, as long as you're getting up every day and moving physically, doing something, whatever it is, you're on the right track. Whatever works for you.、Mm, indeed. And while these traditional Chinese fitness practices are gaining attention on social media and in some niche areas, their integration into mainstream fitness culture and gyms still face challenges. These include perceptions about their effectiveness, the need for more structured and appealing programming, and aligning them with modern fitness trends and commercial viability to some extent. Coming up next, let's have a moment of heart to heart. You ask. We answer. Roundtable, heart to heart. This week, our loyal listener Will is back with the second question in this week's Heart to Heart. Hey guys from Realm Table Team, it's Will from the ancient city of Xi'an. I can always find strength and inspirations from your voices. Well, unfortunately, there's a bad news for me though. A couple of days earlier, I took a physical checkup. Even though I was feeling kind of okay, but my report said the opposite. My body fat index was way over the normal range. I was a thin, healthy, and happy student until I started to work. I mean, I often feel it's so exhausting just to finish my job already, and I have to deal with all the office dramas and sometimes take the blame for somebody else. It's too hard to swallow, so I choose to swallow food instead. And that's what doctors believed to be the reason for my health issues. Well,、um, besides following the doctor's advice, I would also like to hear your suggestions. I think I can really use your help to feel less painful at work. Thank you. Oh well, welcome back to the show, and thank you for sending a second question. And Josh, we gotta help this dude out. He's feeling apparently painful, and certainly it's a serious issue when work stress is inducing 
eating, uh, I don't know if this is a disorder, more like binge eating to some mm. extent. And mm. yes, what do you have to say to our listener? Well, I think that everybody is different, but what you need is more discipline in your food intake. And so what I do is I set some rules for myself and I would suggest you consider doing this. I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to work for you, but one thing that you can do is set some quite strict rules for yourself that are going to prevent you from tipping over the the edge and binge eating. For example, I will quote unquote not eat fast food at home, right? I will not order this from Waimai or something like this. You can make some quite simple rules for yourself and then just follow those. And it still allows you to be indulgent and it doesn't have to be too strict. But I think that you need to set yourself some stricter rules with your diet and intake. So um, improving your diet as a whole is going to help with the issues that you mentioned. Yushun, what do you have to say? Mm, um, thank you, Wells, for reaching out again. But I think the problem here is, you know, um, it's quite common to overeat when we are feeling stressed. It's more like a, you know, natural coping mechanism. But um, the the core problem is still, you know, the workplace stress. I think we what we need to do is to identify the root cause of this issue, which seems to be your office relationship. Um, if you feel comfortable and if it's possible, consider having an open and honest conversation with your colleagues or supervisor about your concerns. And I think clear communication can often help resolve misunderstandings and improve working relationships. And also about your um, health issues of overeating, um, finding other ways of coping mechanism. Um, I, I have a way, um, sometimes just you know, a little walk in the park near your resident maybe, because I heard that uh, spending only 20 minutes in the park every day can help you maintain happy and cheerful. So maybe try something else instead of just eating. Definitely. Um, I don't know how effect this could be, but whenever you feel the craving, well, first of all, replace the, what are some of my favorite snacks? Chips, Skittles, all kinds of pastry and cakes. Anyway, when that craving hits, instead of reaching to the drawer, stand up and go for that little walk that you shouldn't just mentioned. Even if it's cold outside, <laughs> just you got to do it. Or just take a walk within the building. I think that's mm. better than just sitting there and munching on sweet confectionery. And that's what I tend to do as well. But, you know, it's really hard. But I think the first step to weight loss is just not to gain that weight. And that is just to, even with your gym routines, which we've been talking about uh, today, it's important not to like overeat or eat in a really unhealthy way. Um, that's one thing. But also, I'm a big fan of healthy eating habits, what Josh has mentioned, as well as let's just also just go one step further, mindful eating. And that's something I've learned uh, to be really helpful. Practice mindfulness while eating. This involves eating slowly, savoring each bite, and paying attention to feelings of hunger and fullness. This I've tried and find helpful. Eat a meal in silence. Don't watch short videos or any videos. Really focus on the flavors and textures like a food critic at a five-star restaurant. And in this way, you don't eat that much. 
also you're eating slower and eating lesser and and maybe that can help us appreciate food a little bit more and have a musing of oh how did this get onto my dinner table and so will um good luck to you remember it's important to be kind to yourself during this process change takes time and it's okay to have sitbacks the key is to keep moving forward and seeking support when needed. And we're really grateful that you're giving us your attention and sending us your voice memos. If you like what you hear, send us your question or comment on the show to EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com. And voice memos are always a tad better because we are a radio show after all. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Yushun for joining the discussion. I'm Ha Young. You have a beautiful day. We'll see you next time. <laughs>